0: Welcome to Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain Magazine podcast. I'm Tamara Rappa, founder, editor in chief, and your host. Join me here as we dive deep and go behind the scenes with creatives from all fields, exploring the origins for game changing ideas and careers, and so much more. It's our expert curation of conversations with those who are pushing culture forward, and we're inviting you to get inside the story. If you don't know, now you know. James Alsop, a one-time contestant on Bravo's Step It Up and Dance, is now one of the entertainment industry's most sought-after choreographers, doing some of the most interesting work. James began her career as co-choreographer of Beyonce's videos, tour, and promotional materials for the multi-platinum selling records Who Run the World, Dance for You, and Love on Top, and we get into how she made her way into dancing with Beyonce here. She also assisted in choreographing the huge hit music video, Booty, by Jennifer Lopez, and James' has worked with Paul Thomas Anderson for the Hame music video, Just a Little of Your Love. And after choreographing the entire season of Maya Rudolph and Martin Short's variety series, Maya and Marty, she was asked by Tina Fey to choreograph season three of the Emmy-nominated series, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, a truly incredible body of work. And there's more. She most recently choreographed the Peacock musical TV series Girls 5 Eva, starring Story and Rain cover star Busy Phillips, and Unprisoned, the Tracy McMillan series starring Kerry Washington. Then there's the Super Bowl. There's the Dahmer series. There's Emily in Paris, the Gossip Girl reboot. And it was a dream come true when James worked on the Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. There are so many more projects to name. On the podcast, we talk about that experience as well as her vision for The Devil Wears Prada musical and being inspired by the ways people walk for it. We discuss working through her feelings and her skill set to choreograph the upcoming A Transparent musical based on the Emmy Award winning series from Amazon Prime. We talk living by the rule of rising to the occasion to be the best you can be the time she surprised Beyonce, and the time she was at a party that changed her life, and that was shortly before I met James. James loves to teach. We talk about her teaching style and philosophies, and her dancing style. Intricate, sexy, and groovy is how she describes it. We talk all about the opportunities that opened up after she decided to wake up and see who I really am every day. Tired of hiding, James transitioned in 2015. From stories about mornings in the kitchen with her siblings, singing and dancing, to her mother blasting Luther Vandross, to when I met and dressed James in LA on that Bravo ad campaign set, and when I knew there was a superstar before me. You'll be inspired. Let's get to it. One of my favorite people, a -a one-of-a-kind talent that I was so thrilled to reconnect with, our conversations with creatives continue as Story & Rain talks to James Alsop. Oh my god. Hi. How are you? I'm so good. We've so much to talk about. Yeah. yeah. This is a pretty special interview because we first met in 2008 when you were a, a contestant, a Bravo celebrity before there were even Bravo celebrities on Step It Up and Dance.
1: You're welcome, Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we yes, were, yes, doing Step It Up and Dance. It was 2008 when we were shooting, or maybe 2007 when we were shooting the intro, like when we were doing all the fun stuff, not the non.
0: Right. That's so that that's probably what it was. When I looked it up, it was like it launched in 2008, but we were probably doing all that the year before. So at the time, for people who are listening, I was a stylist for all of Bravo's competition series programming, things like Project Runway. And Step It Up and Dance. Um, step It Up and Dance was hosted by the one and only of showgirls <laughs> fame, Elizabeth Berkeley, and director and choreographer Jerry Mitchell, whom you'd have a later career history with, right? Um, yeah. What do you remember about that time? And do you remember anything about us working on those promos together?
1: I remember it vividly, actually. What I remember the most... I remember you vividly. Yeah, I remember you vividly because there was this scarf that I wore. It was like this blue and red glittery, sparkly scarf. Yes, the scarf. And you let me keep it. (laughs) Of course I did. I just remember us instantly bonding. It was you and the makeup artist. I remember specifically Crystal, and I just felt in love with the two of you. And I was like, "Oh my God, I want to be friends." For-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I remember that scarf. I remember you loving the scarf. I remember you on set. You know, uh, I just, I remember for whatever reason we were filming those promos way into the evening. Yes, Like I remember like dragging a rack along like Sunset and for Hollywood and Vine. And we were still like kind of.
1: And they had all of our times, the contestants, they had all of our times like divvied up. But then it still, of course, took forever, especially, I guess, when it came around to us. And we were just so giddy and delusional and delirious.
0: (laughs) Yes, I remember that. Why don't we start here, James? Why don't you tell us a story for how you made your way to Step It
1: Up and Dance? Let's go back. Oh, so hilarious. Actually, this is one of my favorite stories of life. So I moved to LA in 2006. I graduated college May 2006, drove to LA July 2006. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm a dancer. I can make it. I'm going to get an agent immediately. Like, it's going to be great. Nothing. (laughs) Crickets and tumbleweed. (laughs) So I'm there for like a year and a half or Yeah, I was there for almost a year and a half and I, nothing had come about in my dance career. My roommate, my best friend, Danielle, who moved out with me, she got an agent within three months. It was like everything.
0: You were comparing and contrasting with this person that makes it harder.
1: Especially when you're young and new like that. I wasn't necessarily jealous, but I was like, you better tell me about every audition because I'm crashing. (laughs) Well, you were ambitious, right?
0: You were probably already trying to line up and figure out the keys to success and how to make yeah, it. I had
1: that. a plan. Oh, well, you couldn't tell me my plan wasn't flawless. <laughs> but clearly that didn't work. So, uh, I nothing was happening with my dance career and I went to this agency party for dance agents. I got wasted cuz I was like, well, I guess I'm moving home. <laughs> I just got wasted and I started dancing my ass off at this party. See? And one of the producers from stepping Up and Dance was at this party. I had no idea about the show, never heard of it, didn't hear about the audition, nothing. And the producer came up to me and said, oh my gosh, would you be willing to be on reality TV in a competition series? And I was like, yeah, I already did it. I was up to you thinking that. And like, okay, right. come to this audition and we'll just, you we have to go through the motions, but just come to the audition and we'll look out for you. And next thing you know, I'm at Boulevard 3 auditioning for Seven Up and Dance.
0: That's how th- a lot of things happen, right? When you're not planning, when you're not overthinking it. That's when that opportunity can strike. I'm sure you talked about that story when we were like shooting, cause it had just happened. Yeah. It right? had just
1: happened. And I couldn't believe it. Like I was literally just at this party wasted. And I was like, I'm going <laughs> like, to be a waiter for the rest of my life. And then I'm in this chair with this incredible stylist, with these incredible people around me after having just shot a team. What? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was, a ma- it was a it was it was a cool time. It was. And then and then and then and, and then, then. It's an, and then it's an absolute understatement to say that much has happened in your career <laughs> since then. But but first, I want to say to you how special to have met you then and to see how you and your career have evolved over the last 15 years. It's a remarkable pleasure to talk to you now. And since we aren't together in the same room, I'm giving you a virtual you. hug. First of all, where do you call home? I know you travel for work constantly, but do you have like a home base? I travel
1: a lot as well, but I'm I'm based in LA. I'm still based in LA. Thank goodness. Okay. But I'm actually in North Carolina right now visiting family. I'm here for another week and then I'm going back to LA <clears> to <throat> have to come see my family. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just been so crazy having show to now. I mean, clearly a lot has changed.
0: A lot has changed. A lot of good stuff. How have you learned to stay creative and grounded in a life that tends to be on the road?
1: I learned to stay creative by giving into my, my gut, my intuition, my feeling. I don't know if this happens for you, but if you try to force something, it's just never your best. And it's probably, when I try to force it, it's probably the worst thing I've ever done or put out. If my body tells me to just step away from dancing for a second, doesn't mean I don't love it. Doesn't mean it's not still my passion. It's just not feeding my spirit creatively. And so I need to like replenish just with regular life, which is what normally inspires me anyway. So I need to pay attention to like life around me. Uh, And I think that's what keeps me creative.
0: I want to dive into a couple of things before we talk about some others. Name what you see as your big break. Your first big break as you're able to see it now today,
1: <laughs> I would like to say it's it, it's a double-edged sword. My first big break, I really do think my first break in the dance world was Stepping Up and Dance because dancers always watch dance shows. Choreographers always right, dance shows.
0: like Hair People. It's like the same. Yes, like
1: yes. no matter how good or bad, dancers watch it.
0: You're going to catch someone's eye, right?
1: And a bunch of choreographers and dancers saw the show. And even though I was on it for two, three episodes, they really g- gravitated towards me, I guess. So in the dance world, I would say step it up and dance. But then my big break uh, came with Beyonce. I was one of the choreographers on Run the World. And that moment, and I had no idea what I was signing up for. I was still so green, but it changed my life. Forever and ever and ever. How could it not? What was that
0: beginning like with Beyoncé? Run the world. What did Beyoncé or that team right identify in you that they wanted?
1: I, I I can't really tell you. I'm try. I can try to pinpoint it. I choreographed it. I was in this movie, Leave It on the Floor, and the musical. And her creative team was the creative team behind it—the choreographer and musical director.
0: Well, that must have been thrilling in and of itself,
1: right? And Frank Gatson, her choreographer, he was the one who actually saw me on Step It Up and Dance, so he knew. So on my very last day, he asked me to choreograph a scene, take three girls, have an hour, choreograph something, put it on camera. And I'm in the movie. i got to remember my blocking my lines. Like, what? (laughs) So he saw that. And it was just myself and three women, and I was a trans character who was pregnant in the film.
0: (laughs) The complicated storyline of that, yeah. And,
1: And... saw what the four of us did. And he said, that's what Beyonce needs. That, forgive my language, but that's USSY power. And yeah, oh yeah. my God, okay, sure. So I don't know, maybe they saw how, and every job since then has been about some kind of female empowerment. I went from Beyonce to Kelly Rowland to Destiny's Child to J-Lo to Janelle Monet. And it was always something about female empowerment. And then when when I think when that clicked in me, I was just like, "Oh, that's is that what I'm supposed to lean into?" I thought I was just hitting the set.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have some memories of you back then. I'm going to get to that for the sake of everyone listening to this podcast. First, let's do this. Give us the chapters in your story. Give us a little resume rundown. List your projects to date. Right. Step it up in the dance, Beyonce. The,
1: the film. It's so weird. I still can't believe I could say that. So I'm gonna try without being giddy.
0: Be giddy.
1: (laughs) I started off with Step It Up and Dance. Step It Up and Dance led me to Leave It on the Floor, which is a musical streaming now. And from Leave It on the Floor, I got to meet Frank Gatson and he introduced me to Beyonce, uh, where I got to choreograph, help choreograph, run the world, who run the world. And I was with her for years. I also worked on
0: like Love on Top. Pop, and-
1: Dance for You. I helped a little bit with the first Super Bowl. And then uh, her for her comeback concert after she had her child. And, and um, then that went to Kelly Rowland. And then I moved and worked with Destiny's Child when they were doing the Super Bowl. Uh, then I did Jennifer Lopez's Booty, her music video, and her Fashion Rocks performance, the big performance of that. Fashion Rocks, yeah. Wow. Oh, I miss Fashion Rocks. And uh, then from J-Lo, what did I do? Oh, I, sta- I moved into film with Tina Fey and Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph, actually, first. And she introduced me to Tina Fey. And Tina Fey, I worked with her on uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Girls 5 Eva. And then it just snowballed. I worked on Pose recently. I worked with Ryan Murphy. I did the Dahmer series.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Dahmer. What did you do on Dahmer?
1: For, for all the club scenes. I was. A... Oh, that's right. There were club scenes. Yeah. Um, and I did all that, which is incredible to work with. Love working with them. I've worked with Kerry Washington most recently on her new series, Imprisoned.
0: Oh, I just binged the whole thing yesterday. Yes! Because it's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, yes. right? Yes! <laughs> that's Jimmy... The music is a big part of that series. Every Yeah. Oh. That's great. Yes. These are James's projects to name a few. Now back to the beginning. Did you grow up surrounded by creativity in any
1: way? Kinda. Um, I have a twin. I have an identical twin brother. And he and I, my sisters, our older sisters, we would just all we wake up Saturday mornings to do our chores to music. My mom would put on Anita Baker or Luther Vandross and just go ham. So doing stuff like that was just fun because my mom would be singing and dancing around. And then my brother and my sisters were in a dance troupe. And of course they were. (laughs) And my oldest sister, Kima, she has one of the most beautiful voices. So it was just all the art surrounded us in our household. And by the time we were nine years old, my brother and I used to do talent shows. We got a record deal. Mm -hmm. I know. Wow. wow. Miserable. It was crazy. But, you know, by the time we were nine, we got to fly to New York. We spent our 10th birthday in New York City. Who's going to say no to that? So we started to develop our skills as performers, I guess. And it never left me. It just had me in a chokehold for the rest of my life. I was like, I need to do this for a living. I can't do anything else.
0: So it was. it was really in the home, surrounded by your family, fostered by your mother, who would play all this great music and just... And her kids just got
1: up and danced. (laughs) And she's just so fun, my mom. She just wanted joy and happiness around. And I guess she knew the power of music and the, the arts. And she really wanted to help encourage and facilitate that. Here's a
0: question. What was the very first gig you landed where you felt the enormity of it and realized, like, I need to next level prepare? Not just prepare, but next level prepare. Like I am being met with this huge opportunity, I got to take it to the next level of my preparation.
1: But I know uh, the first gig where it all fell on me as a choreographer because I had been used to being one. Day, yes, and all right. fell on me was I was the choreographer for Maya and Marty, Maya Rudolph and Martin Short's variety special for the entire, which is great. So, so great. hilarious! That woman is one of my favorite people on planet Earth. And w- it, everything just fell on me. The decision making, the dancers, the creative direction to a certain extent, like down to the what kind of dress should she wear under when she has this ripaway away moment, like it all fell on me. And I've been used to having somebody else to fall back on. There was no safety
0: net of a team.
1: So if a wrong call was made on my own, yeah. it fell on me. Uh, And that's when I was really like, okay, girl, you got to get this together. You cannot slip in any way possible. If anything, even if the ship goes down, then you say that the dancers and the choreography were the best thing about it.
0: Right. That's actually great advice. No matter what happens with this project, be so prepared that no one could take anything away from that preparedness, right? Absolutely.
1: And that's been me that's what i take into every job ever since if it's if it's not going to work out then at least you can say that the dancing the dancers and the choreography were on point
0: <laughs> i was just listening to a podcast earlier today and it was this kind of spiritual discussion about like preparing for life and being involved in projects and you know the thing to focus on is like you can control what you can control right you can't control the results Uh, whether a project's going to do well or not, or how much exposure it's going to get. You can only control your contribution to it. I guess
1: you learn that early on, right? hundred percent. I just, I didn't have time to like look around and try to find somebody. You, of course, you know how fast paced this world is. And I just didn't have time to be like, help me, help me. I had to figure it out. And I had to figure it out immediately so that we could, you know, move on. Time is money.
0: (laughs) Right. And rely on your instincts. Rely on what's inside of you. And then here's another question and then how long did it take for you to truly realize for the first time that the universe was bringing you unique and amazing opportunities large scale opportunities because what you personally bring to the table is singular and unique i had the perspective to see your specialness in 2008 like cuz what i w- where i was and how it was all unfolding. I, I I saw something very, very different. Um, maybe I have like a little bit of an eye for that, but sometimes it's hard to see that for ourselves, right? Did you ever have a moment in thinking about this?
1: I w- it, I did have a moment, but it did come later. So, so it kind of yes. all is wrapped into one thing. I knew that I was a woman when I was four years old, right? But then in 1988 at four, transgender, the word, the verbiage didn't even exist. So if I'm going through life thinking like I'm gay, male presenting. And then I go through life and I'm coming to this realization like, no, I know I'm one of the girls. Like, I know my gay boys. That's not me. Love them. That's not me. So then... I'm still having these incredible moments in my career. Step it up and dance. Uh, Beyonce, all these people, but I'm not being true to myself.
0: Well, I had another question for you about that. We'll get to that later, but go on, yeah.
1: And I was tired of not being honest with myself. And I'll step it up and dance. I got eliminated for being too effeminate.
0: Oh my god, I wanted to remember that. You know, I was like, I would I want to remember how long she was on the show and like what.
1: Going oh, on a show like this, thinking, okay, you're going to last for a while because you're such a great
0: dancer. Dah, 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 dah. Such a great dancer, but I saw the specialness in you as somebody who was working. I was part of the crew, right? I was dressing. I was in charge for people that don't know the context of this. I was in charge of, you know, helping outfit the whatever number of contestants you were. You have to make sure that everybody does matches yep. and everyone, you know, their individuality. Like you're in charge. On shows like that of making sure that someone's individuality really comes through so i have to look be looking at all that i think i have a knack for that but i saw like i saw
1: this is like a star this is somebody who's a superstar you ignited the vibrance in me you gave me that yellow half hoodie sleeveless hoodie with that blue scarf
0: i think we gave you like the best of what we had we're like Whatever budget we have, I yeah. gave you the best. Literally, and it was
1: that. And that's when I knew, like, so it was episode two that I got eliminated. <laughs> uh, the first episode, I was on the top. Second episode, I was in the bottom and I guess at home because it was a ballroom challenge and it was all about masculine and feminine. And of course, I'm sitting here like, this is the world of dance. And it was at a time in my career, my life, where at the time, ladyboys weren't really a thing. Thank God for Little Nas X where everybody can be gay and dance and be happy and just be themselves. But when I was coming up in dance, we were a specialty act. Just being like me not being my true self. And so then that happened and I'm just like, well, what is it that I'm not, click, that's not clicking. And it was me not being true to myself. So then specifically in 2015 uh, is when I started to really just live my truth. And that's when I started my transition. And after 2015, and I had been with working with Beyonce and doing all of these powerful things for these women. And I'm sitting here trying to like shrink myself around them so they don't see me, so they've got ashamed to be around someone like me. And in 2015 when I started my transition, when I tell you things started coming to me in droves.
0: I saw you in 2008. I saw you. Oh. I saw you. I saw you, you know. Um
1: and it was re- you specifically were so special to me because we were just snickering and giggling. You were stressed out. I remember this specifically, you were so stressed out.
0: There was some stre- there was some stress on that set. That's why I think I was talking a little bit about that. It was late at night. There there was things going on with an assistant that I was working with. It was a little, a little bit stressful.
1: It was stressful. And then I felt like you just came, when we would talk, you just came to like decompress. And then you could be like, oh, but I'm still making <laughs> make you look good.
0: <laughs> I think I know. I think I remember what it was. I think that we were, you know what happened, James, is that at one point, I want to say it was like close to midnight and we were shooting in two locations oh. at the same time. There were some of you that were Mm -hmm. here and there were some of you that were there and I had to figure out how to be here and there. Anyway, back to your story. So you were saying you stepped into your truth in around 2015.
1: I I cannot live unless I wake up and see who I really am every day. I can't live like this. I got to be honest with myself. So then when I started my transition in 2015, that's when I felt like something just opened up and the universe just poured into me. And God was just like, take it. You can do it now. I see you. You see yourself dropping it on you. And that's when I really feel like I got to, that's when things started to come to me because people started seeing that I finally saw what they saw in me. How
0: has being authentic contributed to your success? And you said, it's been everything. You said, you're actually describing that there was a time where you weren't able to be or you didn't feel like you could be as authentic. And once you did, it the floodgates, right? The floodgates.
1: It's, it boils down to little stuff like not wanting to talk too much around certain people. I can't imagine you shrinking around people. Little, I wouldn't even be dancing and little beads of sweat would just be curling up because I'm holding myself back and I don't want to talk right. too much around certain people because you don't want them to hear your voice. You don't want to make them uncomfortable. You don't want to seem like... Anything weird, you don't want your voice to sound crazy around them. You don't want to walk too much because you don't want to switch. It is wild how much you overthink what people will potentially see in you in a negative way. You're forced to, like, micro-think everything. So, absolutely. And it's to the point where you just start making up scenarios, too. Nobody is thinking about you that much, James, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How do you describe your signature
0: style of dance? Obviously, you're hired to work in different styles and eras and genres, but what is your thing? Do you have a way of naming, describing, or interpreting your signature style? I don't think I have a name for
1: my signature style. I just love to feel sexy and intricate, groovy and intricate. I always, my dancers always get mad at me because I'm like, y'all, I swear it's easy. And they were like, okay, is it James easy or is it real easy? And James <laughs> easy is probably more intricate than I let on. But in my head, it's just like, well, I just did it. Everybody can do it." <laughs> so I'd like to be intricate and sexy and groovy. I think that's why. I love that. Three good words.
0: Were there specific times when you found yourself not being able to be authentic because of a job or a circumstance or a person, and and how did you s- cycle yourself out of that, or w- how did you deal with it m- emotionally and
1: mentally? The most recent project that I'm working on, um, I'm working on a musical actually, uh, based off of the loosely based off of the TV show TV show Transparent. So they're making it a musical. And I'm like, why in the hell did they hire this Black trans woman to choreograph a Jewish musical about a 60-something-year-old woman transitioning? What? <laughs> <laughs> I started to psych myself. I And, you know, you think you go into it, it's like, okay, trans, trans, I get it. But then I went into it and I was just like, I don't know how to choreograph a horror. I don't know how to... But then I'm like, but this is what you're here for. This is what pushes you creatively. This is what challenges your creativity and what's going to ultimately make you a better choreographer. I'm still, I love still being in the learning process. And so right before I started this job, I was in that space where I was just like, I don't know if this is like a thing for me. But then when we got into the throes of it, it was like, it's just another, another part of this great tool of dance that I get to exploit. And I, I fell in love with dance all over again. Actually,
0: wow, I love it. Right, it expanded That's, you. It, it absolutely. And you know, it's great to work for the check and for the money and for, but it it's also when the experience feeds you, feeds you. It's yeah.
1: a whole it's different. It's so thing. easy to get caught up in like expecting to get the yes. job or expe- after a certain time you expect. Right. You can get to a point where you expect people to be like oh just hire me just i can do it no my creative spirit needs to be fed and yes the check is nice at times girl yes ma'am but the <laughs> job is boring and the job can be so unfulfilling if if you really don't pour into it as much as being Poured into you. So I really try to keep that at the top of my list when going into a job. Just maintain that creative fulfillment. You work closely with various creative artists.
0: We talked about Kelly Rowland, Beyonce, of course, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Maya Rudolph, Tina Fey. This is just to name <laughs> a few. How do you enter into a project when collaborating with visionaries of this caliber? Are you armed with ideas or do you take notes and reflect on things being communicated to you? How do you logistically go about beginning to realize someone's vision?
1: My favorite thing to do when it comes to realizing someone else's vision is I always say this in every meeting I go to. I said, if you just let me jump in your head, then I'm going to do my best to be the vessel to make their vision come true. Uh, I also have massive delusions of grandeur. (laughs) I'm like, whatever we can do or whatever idea is going to take us to the limit, whether it's the limit of your budget or the limit of the people on set, the limit of people I can work with, let's do, I'd rather take away than to have to beg to add more.
0: Oh my God. I love that. I bet that's what people love about you. Uh,
1: I mean, like you, you dream big for them. Yes, I try to at least. And then if I feel like there's something that they really want, but they can't say it or they don't really know how to articulate it, then I love just coming in with the fantasy. And I'm just like, there's nothing that's impossible in my head. (laughs) There's nothing that's impossible. So let's see what we can get at this time. And let's see how far we can push it and go with it because it's ultimately their idea. And those ideas are going to last way after we're gone. Those ideas are going to be here for yes. people who we're never going to meet. Which is beautiful. they're stamped in time. They're stamped in time. And to have some kind of impact on people generations from now, it should be the best thing that's ever going to exist on planet Earth. Yeah.
0: Let's do something special, right? Yes. We're talking about these talented visionaries that you've had the opportunity to work with. Is there anyone who's made the most impact on you in terms of, what you've carried with you and what you've benefited from. Is there anybody who you've come into contact with over the last several years that has changed the way that you do things or the way you think about
1: things? Absolutely. Uh, there are a couple people. The very first is Frank Gatson Jr. He's the creative director, choreographer to the stars. And he was the one who first saw me as a talent. And he was the first one to really see my creativity. And he gave me the platform to expose that talent, and so I'm forever thankful for him. He was the one who introduced me to Beyonce, and as we know, my life changed from there. Thank goodness, B. Yeah, work ethic <laughs> I take from B. I I learned so much. I learned so.
0: Tell tell me, tell us. I want to know. We want to know.
1: I mean, my fir- A lot of my firsts were with her. So, when you're in a situation where you're in your first, you just don't forget, and you. How you worked in that situation and you take it with you. So like my first music video, Run the World. My first award show, the Billboard Music Awards. That with (laughs) Beyonce. It was that. My first concert, her Revel tour. My first uh, Super Bowl, hello. And my first uh, tour, the Miss Carter show world tour. And she was the type to literally be like, okay, I would think when she says she didn't like a step, when we were in rehearsal in the middle of learning it, that she wanted a new step right then and there.
0: So, on the, on spot. the spot.
1: I just didn't, I misinterpreted it, but I, that's how I interpreted it. So I would just give a new step immediately. And she turned to me one day and she said, how do you do that? I was like, dig that. I got nervous. <laughs> and she was like, how do you just have an, another step right there? Like, I didn't mean you have to do it now. So I thought she was saying it because she was mad at me and I would always do it. We'll come up with a new step. She was just saying, no, let's think about it. We can come up with something. But I would do I would do something immediately because I'm like, oh my God, she's gonna fire me. She hates the she hates the step. Okay, here it is. Try this. On the spot. And she was really taken by the fact that I did that. And so I take that with me into other, other jobs as well. It's like, well, my job is to find a solution. Like I don't have time. I, in my mind, I just don't have time to sit on it. We gotta find a solution so we can Yeah. And I take that with me a lot
0: she pointed out an appreciation she had for, you know, I'm giving my input on something that we're working on and I want to change what we're doing. And she she let you see you, right? I'm before this person, this professional who obviously has the creativity and the skill to think about this, but also wants to share this right now. That became this treasure that you're like, that's valuable. Let me me continue to do this. Because I didn't know, I did not know I was doing it. Right. You were just working so hard, working your ass off, right? Just like, uh, uh, we need something new here. Right. Yes. Pull pull it out of, uh, pull it out. Just pull it out of me.
1: Yeah. If you have a look on set and just like, oh, that top doesn't work here. Try this one. And so my (laughs) mentality was, oh, that stuff doesn't work here. Try this one. And I think she had been used to, like, people stepping away, which is fine. People have their different processes, but mine was just, okay, I feel like we don't have time. I need to present something immediately. I did not even know I was doing it until she said that, and I'll never forget that. Of course, Maya Rudolph and Tina Fey, they, I I love them. They are amazing. They also helped change my life for the better, and I'm really so appreciative what do you love about Maya
0: and Tina? What I love, if you could put it into a few words, like it sounds like you have really treasure your experience work, working with them and on your projects.
1: Yeah. On, a, on a simple level, they are so much more cool and down to earth and normal than you think they, or than I thought they would be. Such a breath of fresh air, right? Like, you know, with comedians, you just, I don't know if people think, or would expect them to always be on. But it was just like, no, they are this funny because they're this funny. And, but like. <laughs> literally, literally, literally. Like. Literally. And I felt like I was around my aunties and my sisters. It just felt like home being around them. They were just so cool. And then, you know, when people come up to you and they know your work and you, I just think you don't have time to look up little James. <laughs> you were in the van and Maya said, girl. Okay, I need to work on my steps because I need to look just like Beyonce and run the world. <laughs> she even <laughs> did a deep like the documentaries it. and the behind the scenes stuff that I was in. And she had seen it all. And Tina came up to me just full of compliments. They were just really, they are really grounded, gracious, sweet women. And I'm so appreciative to them for that.
0: Your first feature film project is the recent film, I Want to Dance with Somebody the Whitney Houston (laughs) biopic, how exactly did you prepare for your work and what did you enjoy about replicating retro? You're always either tapping into retro or incorporating retro, but this was like replicating retro, right? For this Whitney Houston biopic. So what did you enjoy about that aspect and how did you prepare for that?
1: What I loved most about working on the Whitney Houston film is, it was one of those dream jobs that I feel like I had been preparing for since I can remember. I have my sister and I, my oldest sister who sings. She and I are obsessed with all things Whitney Houston. Like my number one person is Janet Jackson, and in a very close second is like the you other. Know, right. Like, so since I was nine years old, I can I would sing all her songs on the talent show. I would recreate "I'm Every Woman." I would recreate "I Want to Dance with Somebody." All of her dancing. I would just do everything in them. And when I found out this movie was coming about, I was just hoping and praying that I got to work on this film. And thanks to my, I hate to say this, this it's going to sound very Hollywood ill, but thanks. It's okay. We get you. But thanks to my incredible agent. He just knew that this was a dream job for me. I have a little, um, in my saved section on Instagram, I have a saved page of just Whitney Houston. The perfect job for you. Before the movie was even a thing. I just had this because I'm obsessed with Whitney Houston. I have all her movies. I have all her soundtracks. So I feel like I have been pre- preparing my whole career, my whole life. And then just to be on set and to work on it. The first thing we I came in for, we shot uh, the video, Run to You. And we... Oh, very emotional. Yes. And just to see it and to see Naomi embody Whitney as she does, it was it was special. It was really special. Oh, I cried like a baby when I got the job. I was boohooing like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So did
0: you have to do a lot of research? I mean, is how much research is involved in something like this? I will
1: say for me, yes and no. I was doing research for years. Of- Your whole life. You. Th- this is right. But, You knew it all. But for specific scenes, like the concert scenes, I did go back and I would watch a bunch of her concerts and live performances. And then I would go back and I would watch her videos and I would watch her interviews just to like really fine tune her isms. Like how she moved and how she would point, how she would hold the mic, how she would hold her handkerchief, how she would speak, how she would walk. Uh, So there is there was. So
0: all of that is, just to tell people, all of that is included in choreography in a project like this.
1: So everyone thinks it's about a dance scene. It's it's not. No, not at all. And she, uh, Naomi had a great uh, movement coach that worked with her as well. But then when I came on my very first day, I was just like, I just want to go through things outside boot camp because we need to understand why Whitney did what she did. She was a model when she was 17. So she knew her body. From a very young age. She knew how to hold something. Right. She understood that power. So we got to get that understanding in there. So then when the performances happen, they will be majestic. And Naomi picked up on it really, really well. It was beautiful to see. She was so great in that film.
0: One of your latest projects is the very exciting Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Broadway, Broadway musical. Um, Can you share what that collaboration project is like? How were you asked and tasked with bringing dance to the fashion magazine world and surrounding micro worlds of New York City as seen in the Devil Wears Prada story.
1: Yet again, another dream job, being able to work on the pre-production run, uh, the pre-Broadway run of Devil Wears Prada. It was so special. I want to say 2019. And it's just one of those things where you know somebody who knows somebody. I, I worked very closely with this one director whose brother was a producer on the film. And he's like, let me just introduce you to my brother, because I think you'd be great for the Double West product. I was like, sure. A girl like me is not going to choreograph Broadway, but hey, I'll take the meeting. Okay. Uh and then we took the meeting and fell in love with his brother. He threw my name in the hat. And the director at the time, she really we met and we just clicked. And then she introduced me to the executive producer. And from there, the synergy was just great. I was with the project for 2019 to 2022 is when we opened. So for three years, we worked on that before we opened in Chicago. And it was special. We built such a special little family. I loved every second of working on that.
0: What was your jump off point, James? Like what, when it was confirmed that you'd be working on Devil Wears Prada, what things come to mind as like the first sources of inspiration? Like where do you get inspiration for something like that? As somebody who worked in the magazine world and, and you know, in fashion, it's so interesting to think about that, think of choreography in terms of that. So
1: what, what was in your head? The very first thing that came to mind when I was confirmed, I was sitting in Italy in Chicago <laughs> when I got off. Uh, and I, yet again, burst into tears because I'm a sob. I'm a waterhead. Uh, but <laughs> the very first thing that came to mind, my inspiration is just how human beings walk. Like if you're on the street of New York City and you're crossing the street and you end up in the same building with somebody who you may have passed, like you both have the same destination. You're both going to the same building or maybe the same company, but you just walk differently but you're going to the same place. So the destination is the same. It's just how you get there so differently. And it's something as simple as a walk, but a walk could be different in pace, could be different in style. And so I really wanted to emphasize that moving through space.
0: I love that, the different ways that people walk in a city like New York City.
1: Yes. We move through space so differently, not even knowing we have the same destination. But we get there so differently. And I really wanted to exploit that movement-wise. That was really fun. That was really fun in our dance workshops. We kind of blast. (laughs) You've worked on the Gossip
0: Girl reboot, Emily in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Pose. Amazon's the boys. We've interviewed a lot of the talent that's worked on that. Uh, Girls Five Eva, Busy Phillips is a Story and Rain cover yeah. star. What is unique and challenging and thrilling about any of those? projects or working on a series you've now worked across so many mediums so I want to talk to you a little bit about that
1: like what is it like working on series the most challenging thing working on a series especially when you're there from beginning to end of a season the most challenging thing is time it never feels like there's enough time are you trying to grab people and like
0: schedule yes. your like and you're like, if they don't know how to do, uh, then we, we uh, like, right? Like, the, we've got to, right?
1: I wish people behind the scenes understood the time needed when it comes to dance specifically. Like, we would be a lot at a four-hour rehearsal for Girls 5 Forever. I would only get like an hour and a half with the girls total. There was one day where I had a 45-minute rehearsal to teach a two-and-a-half-minute number. But that just goes to show how incredible the women of Girls 5 ever are, because they were like, oh my, okay, we got to do this. And James, sorry if we messed up the choreography, which they wouldn't. They're not going to get on camera and look crazy. But that's how incredibly hardworking they are. Um, and on a series, but then you get like Pose. And you get ample time for rehearsal because you're there for most of the dance scenes, but it's not a dance heavy series. So they're just like, here, here's the time you need because I'm not here every day. So you'll be here. And they want like the
0: expert of the expert of the expert to just like always have their yeah. eye on that. And subject, then you get right? like the likes of Billy Porter who
1: learns a whole.
0: they are like, we can't replicate, it. Like James has to do this, and right? I mean, I I said it. I'm saying it. Like this person needs who's go- who else is going to do this? It's. I mean, it's nice to hear that. I mean, I don't know if they said. That. Well, I'm telling you. Who else is going to do this? This is this person needs to be here overseeing all the things. So, I mean, yes. it's also synergy because the pre, the people have- and synergy. I'm not saying this. Is not, not everything is always collaborative, but I can understand the value of you on the set of Pose, and well, all, quite frankly, like all these projects, obviously. But you know, there are some places where your talent is like very singular, and like you
1: know. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's just the the time thing is the biggest challenge. But I also just love how people respect each other's craft in television because you spend so much time together when you're making a television series, whether it's a twenty-two episode show or an eight episode show. There's so much time that's spent together when you're making a TV series, so you really to be invited into a family for lack of better terms like that, it's very special. It's so, so special. So I'm really thankful that I've been able to step into that world because, I mean, the series world is different than live show, like with Maya and Marty. Like, it's it's just so different, but I just, uh, I love every second of it.
0: Well, before we talk about like the different mediums that you've worked within, how is your approach different in teaching A large cast or a large group versus a small cast and a small core group. How is what you do
1: different for each? Well, my process is weird because I'm not the type who really likes to prepare, which is weird. I know. It's not. I mean, I think that's
0: definitely, I, I understand that as a method of preparation,
1: for sure. I like for the music and whatever the story is to move me. If it's not moving me, I feel like it's going to come out wonky. It's not going to be cute. I need to be moved by whatever it is that I'm working on. However, on the World, you have to you had to get ready because there were 200 women and like 75 guys that we were working with. So that's almost that's around about 300 people that you have to wrangle. And so I had to be a bit more prepared with that, just because you cannot waste time. If one person is caught slipping, then it's just derailing the entire thing. But then you go down to like four people in girls 5 Ever or two people in Pose. And what really captures the magic is the connection. You have to have a connection with whomever you're working with. And they have to feel comfortable enough to kind of let their guard down in order for you to make the connection, because then it'll shine through that camera and whatever the project is, will just literally glisten because the connection was there and people can see it. And Billy Porter, yet again, Billy Porter was the one. And I worked together for mm-hmm. days on a couple scenes. It was my last yeah. day. And he said, he just grabbed my hands and he looked at my rings and he looked at my look while we we're filming. And he said, you get it. He said, you, you know what you're doing, girl. And I was like, huh? Stuff like that still catches me off guard. I know, I you know, yeah, but it, oh yeah, it's just yeah. I still feel like my nine-year-old self looking at you, like I want to yeah. do that. And so then, when somebody notices that, it catches me off guard because yeah. it's just like somebody just saw me.
0: And it's it is it is rare in the world, maybe of entertainment or you know, that people will stop and actually and and make sure that they say something like that. You know.
1: Yes, and the acknowledgement—you don't even know that you need the validation until you get.
0: Right. Right. You're not looking for it. You're not seeking it out, but when it happens, it's such a gift, right? Well, a gift when it's, especially when it's somebody whom you admire so much and you say, this is, this is somebody who,
1: yeah. right, Uh, Somebody that you admire and respect. And when they actually see you, it's just like, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, that was a really special moment. And then that really helped with the connection. And Miss Thing went off performing that number. It was. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Is there a medium you prefer working in theater, TV, music and videos, movies, or are you loving the big, beautiful mix or blessed to have the big, beautiful mix? Oh, of course, you know. But there's got to be something, does something resonate with it more than the others? You know, you, you've you worked in it all at this point. You can say, you can say, I love it all. I, I want to continue to work in all those worlds. But this is the one that just touches me uh,
1: to more of a core. I'll, I'll start off by saying I've loved working in every aspect. But what has my heart is just where it all started for me, I guess. And has music videos. It, that's just where it started for me. So it just has this very special, unmovable place in my heart. I'm working on a music video. And it's also, I mean, I'm kind of spoiled being an LA girl. Like, when you're working in theater, eight shows a week, one day off a week. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. That's off to them all. It is a lot. And I'm just spoiled on a music video. Like you prepare for two weeks, you shoot for a week, you're done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, and then it's stuff that lasts and it impacts people. Broadway is so contained as well. I just wish there was a way to get Broadway out to the masses. You can really touch people with a song or a video with that storytelling. It really, it, it stays with you in a very, very special way. So I really do. I love them all, but if I had to choose one, it would be music videos.
0: It's like a little piece of audio and video artwork.
1: Absolutely,
0: right, right. How do you get your best ideas? How do they typically come to you? Have you identified that at this point? Like these moments when you're like, "Oh, I just got the it's the big idea. I'm going to
1: put it somewhere. Write it down." I think I get my best ideas when I'm truly moved by the music. If I cannot turn that song off. Or if I have a song on repeat, there are times, like people will get sick of me. If I'm in the car, if I'm walking to work, if I'm doing something, I will have that song on repeat, no matter what.
0: Right. You're not listening to it once. No. That's not how someone like you listens to a song. Absolutely. That song has to keep going over and over, because you're probably doing all this stuff in your head while that song is going. Sometimes I'll hear a song and
1: I'm like, okay. And then I'll turn it back on like a day or two before I have to really work on it. But if the song, if I cannot turn it off, that is it for me. That really just inspires something in me and it just oozes out of my pores. What three songs are on repeat in your life right now? Well, renaissance the album still. Just the entire album from beginning to finish. On repeat. Um, There's a song featuring Chris Brown called Mona Lisa. It's like an Afrobeats type song. Mm -hmm. Obsessed. And then I've just been in Janet Jackson land recently. Ooh, what? Um, uh, All For You specifically. All For You has been on repeat. I love that. I love that. listen to her all the time, but All For You specifically has been on repeat. She's such a
0: good concert. What was the album... Why am I'm just blanking right now, but, um,
1: yeah.
0: you know, the album with the, with the necklace and the vest yes. and the
1: Janet, it was the Janet oh. album and it was, it was, I was in like front row of that oh, concert. My, yes. Man, that was my first Janet Jackson concert. It was, that was my first concert. My parents took me and I've seen every Janet show since I don't like, when I say I'm obsessed with this woman, it's really sad. If there was a game show about Janet Jackson, I would win <laughs> game show trivia. I would, it's really sad.
0: So when you get these ideas, James, like, do you record? Like, you get an idea for a, some choreography. What tools do you use for creating and developing? Or it just stays up here? It stays in my head. I,
1: I'm I'm a weirdo. I don't I don't ever put the movement on my body first. So I really in my head I see it, and I'm like, oh yeah, my body can do that. People's bodies can do that. <laughs> i never really try it until i get into the very first day of rehearsal and then because it's just yet again it's about a feeling for me uh so if it feels right in my soul i'm just like okay let's try it and then that'll be the first time i try it is when i try it with the dancers together in the studio
0: that's interesting so it stays in your head Mm -hmm. and it stays in your head as you walk into a project then you get into the room with the people And then you see if it works and then you probably work it out from there. You fine tune it and you tweak it or you, or you dump it. Right.
1: And it's kind of weird now because there's a different project that I'm working on where the director is like, okay, well, yeah, just send me a video of an idea of what you think. And it's really hard for me to send that video because I'm just like, I'm not in the room with the person I'm going to teach this to. So I don't even feel comfortable putting it on my body. Cause it's just this kinetic thing where I'm just like, I need to be in the room and then I'll send you videos of that, but just of me. Yeah. I totally get that. Ah!
0: But what is your philosophy when it comes to teaching dance? I know you're an avid teacher of dance in any way that you can.
1: I love, love, love teaching. I miss teaching like at studios. Um, can't wait till I get to a point where I can do it more often. But uh, my philosophy is just making sure that every single person in the room that's supposed to be learning dance is taking away something that they can put out in the world, not just a dance step, but that they remember to have fun and that they remember to be kind and that they remember to execute a step properly and that they remember to, you know, have class etiquette because that'll ooze out into the world and how you treat people. I really try my best to be that facilitator of just being kind and taking from my class something that you can put out into the world. And as corny as it sounds, making the world up at our paw. It's not just about the dance. It's about making the world a better place,
0: which, you know, we thank you for. Um, you're doing that. What practical advice do you find yourself tending to give aspiring dancers? I know that they talk to you all the time. People trying to talk to you about what, what do you find yourself saying to them the most?
1: Be kind and stay humble. I I will sing it from the mountaintops, especially nowadays where it's so easy to find this newfound 30-second social media fame. Be kind and stay humble. You never know what you may need from someone else who may be standing next to you that you don't know. And you may never know what they may need from you or how you make them feel or how they would make you feel. Be kind. That is it. That is the simplest thing. And it'll it'll get you far. It'll get you far.
0: Wow. It's, you know, that, what you just said, it just speaks to the power of what art can do yeah. and what it should do, right? Yeah, absolutely. How have you learned to navigate difficult relationships in work in order to get the job done? Working in intensely high stakes, creative collaborations can be tricky. Yes. What have you learned over the years?
1: Um, It was a very hard lesson that I just recently learned. Yeah. Not everyone is your friend. Yeah. And
0: even though seemingly so, maybe. And
1: yes, that's the caveat. Not everyone is your friend, even though they're coming off as such. The bigger picture is always the project. It's not your art, unfortunately, most of the time. The bigger picture is the project. They will fight for the project. They may not necessarily have your back or fight for you, but they'll fight for the project. So you do your best. I do my best. And we just make the best project. And then once the dust settles from the project, then we see where we stand or where we land. Uh, And then if it's meant to be, We'll be in each other's lives. If not, then this was just for work, and it's no hard feelings. Don't take it personal, James. It's no hard feelings. They were not hired to be your friend. They were hired to make this project, and you just so happen to like each other during the process. That's
0: enough. Amen. Another one. Another big one. Intellectual property is a tricky thing, too. I wonder what it's like in dance. You're an artist contributing to pop culture in a deeply visible way, responsible for the way people want to literally move, to dance. How do you protect your ideas? Is it difficult to protect your ideas? Is this something you even think about
1: or have to think about? In the commercial world, which is not the Broadway world, in the commercial world, it's it's so difficult and it's so tricky. Choreographers are the only people... Under contract, who are not unionized. So we don't even have a union. <laughs> That's crazy. That's it's
0: crazy. Wild.
1: It's wild.
0: That's wild. I should have known that because I know about all the other unions. Really? That's crazy. No union for
1: choreographers under SAG AFTRA. Um, there is, in the Broadway world, choreographers are protected. But where I spend most of my time, my bread and butter for the longest, was this commercial world where you're literally impacting, like you said, Pop culture. I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast.
0: You know, we're talking about dance today with you, a huge influencer in the dance world. And I've talked to costume designers. I have always recognized how fashion makes an impact, you know, via TV or via film, and that these people that are the costume designers yeah. on these shows and in these movies they're actually moving such a huge needle in terms of how people yeah. dress and i think about you and i think about what you've done and some of the very visible projects that you've done and how you <laughs> um, how you've moved the needle on how people move or want to dance when we talk about intellectual property that's sort of what i mean it's like when you're really moving when it's something that just co- you'll be on set with Beyonce and you're um coming up with something on the fly it's that thing on the fly can have a huge
1: ripple effect on culture. Anyway, it's wild because I mean, I can't even put, sometimes can't even put up a video on Instagram because of copyright infringement. Instagram protects stuff more than you are protecting me as the person who created it or someone in my position who created it. And it's getting (laughs) like with my choreography, I'm not trying to make, I'm not making money by posting anything on Instagram. So how is it that you're saying this song can't, post in this video because I'm a dancer. It's the dance. It's the intellectual property of the choreographer, which is, so, is such a tricky thing to work around because also, I mean, there are movements that are similar, incredibly similar. So it's hard to like really say, oh, one step is mine. But if it's a sequence of movement, you can, you can, come on, come on. And especially for choreographers. It's just so weird in the commercial world how unprotected we are. But, I mean, we do it for the love of it, and we're the ones having such an impact, like how the look has an impact on an artist, like how the lyrics have an impact. If you have two lines from a song, that artist gets paid from royalties and from copyright. Well, so if I have two A-counts that somebody's repeating, that is a sequence of movement that I came up with, protect the choreographer. <laughs> That's
0: right. Okay, is there anything you are dying to do in your career or anyone you're dying to work with at this point in time?
1: I need to work with Janet Jackson. I yes, I, I need to. Janet. I need to work with her. Um, where are you at? I, I'm dying to like do an opening number for the Oscars or for the Emmys. Like awards. Okay. That celebrate dance and movement. Although they need to bring the choreography award back for the Oscars. We'll talk about that later. The
0: my beef with the latest oscars was that there was so there was not enough entertainment value there was not enough performance and it la- really lacked that it was a very sort of cut and dry ceremony somebody hired james to be the choreographer the, for the oscars because you need it now Leave. more than ever Bring it. Back. yeah okay i want to talk about the six things that are like in your life that you are focusing on that you're obsessed with right now
1: I'm really focusing on myself as crazy as that sounds, I don't do that a lot i i one of the things that I'm really trying to like hone and really mold is myself uh i I love a little gossip girl <laughs> <laughs> so James is holding up <laughs> holding up, yeah. holding
0: up um Prince Harry's book spare so. James is I I love
1: spare.
0: How far through spare are you, my friend? It's like a huge book. I
1: can't put this thing down. Uh
0: I'm not.
1: I'm trying to get more into the development of things. I think I want to start to segue into like production uh, just so that I can be the person making the shots and actually know what I'm talking about. I said it. I meant it. (laughs) (laughs) Your production company. I, I would love that. I'm really focusing yeah. on I love spending time with my family. I love being around seeing my six year old nephew going to school, picking him up, seeing my nieces go to school and my nieces cheer and all that stuff. I love family time. Um, I'm I wanna get back into laughing and having fun. I miss like constantly having fun and being productive. I'm obsessed with teaching. I want to get back into teaching. I miss the students and I miss having an impact and seeing what's fresh and new in the dance world. I love it.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, when you're, when you're so busy with the things that you've been busy with, it's it's sometimes hard to, those are the things you're, you're, you're coveting that you're dying for, right? That you don't necessarily have time for. And I wish you all of that, but I wish you so much continued success. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so glad that we got to catch up. We have to continue to stay in touch. I'm in LA all the time. We need to see each other. I'm so glad we reconnected.
1: Thank you so much for reaching out and for this.
0: You know, I was so important to me to tell your story. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations on this. This is major. I'm so happy for you.
0: Thank you. One last question before we wrap and say goodbye. Any advice for anyone who has their eyes on the prize of a dream?
1: Stick with it. When it seems like you're at that breaking point and it may not happen and it may not come to be, stick with it. Stick to your guns. Nobody knows you better than you. Nobody can encourage you more than yourself. Stick with your guns. it, if it came to you, it is yours to possess, no matter how hard it may be to get to it. Stick with it because it will come to you. It will happen.
0: Hugs and kisses from NYC.
1: Oh, it's so good to be